hello. We're back in the quasi studio. We, uh, Matt and I celebrated Christmas a couple days ago. It was a good time, I think. Uh, at least it was for me. How was uh, your Christmas, Matt? Uh, you know, it was a good time. I had plenty of laughs, plenty of food to eat. You know, you know, it's it's a simpler Christmas than normal. But you know, as the old saying goes, "Tis the season to be simple. Tis the season to be free." <laughs> So, you know, it was a good time. I had a good time. I, I think, ironically enough, it was probably one of one of my favorite, one of my most favorite Christmases. Um, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't too much. It was just, it, it was just what I needed. Yeah, you know what? Usually at my house, we have like 20 people over. And, you know, that's friends and family or what? Yeah, exactly. Mostly family, you know, a couple family friends. And that's that's can be a headache, you know, when every time somebody walks in the door, your parents make you say hi to them. Hey, it's Jimmy. How's it going? And they all laugh at you for something, you know. There's always, they're always saying, hey, look at this guy. I'll hold up in a dungeon. Where you been at? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> And they'll be like, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. <laughs> but seriously, where's your girlfriend at, though? <laughs> <laughs> and that is so awesome. And, you know... So awesome, so I funny. I miss those guys. But, uh, you know, we're here now. Uh, we had a good Christmas. Uh, it was small. It was casual. It was... It was, you know... It was... If we have to compare it to a special, it was kind of the Charlie Brown Christmas of Christmases this year. So depressing? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> well, e, no, but also yes. But the point is that, you know, sometimes less is more. And that's what I'll say. What did you, uh, what did you get? Uh, you know, I, my parents gave me a, a, a great present, but they gave it to me early. Uh, so I got these, I got these great new Sony headphones. Uh, they're really nice. They got really clear sound quality. Uh, I got some nice gamer socks. <laughs> um, one foot says "Do not disturb." The other says "I'm gaming." So, <laughs> so be good for when you when I'm in my game. You know when you know when you're gaming and you just don't want to be bothered, right? You know, you know how. Were those on a first date? Exactly, like first. <laughs> exactly you know exactly what i'm trying to say here so it it'll be a nice way to ward off those who don't really understand the gamer lifestyle um what are the what else i get uh i got a few little trinkets and doodads other than that i got a nice new lamp it's got a wireless charger on it so now i just plop it on there and i don't have to plug my phone in. don't wake up in the morning and the phone wasn't actually plugged in for god knows whatever reason thank you tim apple (laughs) for that one uh but that's tim apple made you not plug your phone in no tim apple made these shitty chargers where after a year of use um if you have to bend it the right way for it to actually charge (laughs) that's what tim apple did to me and to everybody else that's a worse uh that was like a big thing with the ds chargers too where eventually I was like having to wrap it around the DS in a certain way for it to charge. It just sucks. It's a it's a little much, you know. Like just make a charger that lasts. You know, it's just a cord. What's what's the big idea, right? I don't know. 
don't know. Are the are the Sony headphones like gaming headphones? No, they're just regular like regular headphones. Okay. But well, I use I use them for gaming because you can just plug any headphones into like a PlayStation, so it's all good. You've been playing lots of Battlefront. Been playing a little bit of Battlefront with a uh, with a couple of guys. Pretty good game, except for all the problems that it has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I beat Spider Man. You know, I got a hundred percent on it, so that was a pretty good game. Uh, now nah, I just been playing Call of Duty because I'm basic. But I mean, you can't. You know what the thing is? I'll say about those games is that number one, the campaigns are always fun to play because they're never intellectual. Um, but you know they to get the mood right you know like who doesn't like a little bit of cold war espionage right so it does that nicely and then you know if you can play zombies with a couple of friends that's all you really need that's it that's all good when you 100 percented spider-man did they give you any like bonus for doing that or no no you just get a little notification that says thanks man uh but that's the way completing games being a gaming completionist is a thankless job you know there's there's no feeling like when you beat a game 100 percent, then you go damn that was cool uh and then you're like all right uh what's the next thing to do it really says a lot about our society tbh i still need to get a game boy printer because i completed pokemon crystal and then what they did for that is if you had the game boy printer you could print out a little certificate that said like uh, blah 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 completed the pokedex yada 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 Mm -hmm. and i want to print that out so i have officially it's done it's over and so i need to get myself one of those and then you can pin that shit on your wall and it's it's objective proof that you did it frame it frame it that'd be nice See, I mean, like, I mean, I don't expect the game to, like, give me, like, uh, $500 or something, but I don't know, a little something more. (laughs) It's just, you ask, you finish the game, you ask yourself, why did I just do that? Like, spend an hour, like, just jumping around the map, picking up these bullshit collectibles that they ask you to pick up a, you know, it's, it is, whatever, whatever. Yeah, like, they could have given you, like, a Spider-Man 2077 skin or whatever the hell. Yeah, something like that. You know, I don't, I don't ask for too much, guys. But hey. Uh, but over the Christmas season, or the holidays, whatever, or the end of December week, whatever you want to call it, we watched some Christmas specials, because we messed up. Well, we watched one holiday special, uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, I don't know which one you want to start with. It's really your call. I don't. I don't care either way. Why don't we do this chronologically? So let me look up which of these specials actually came first. Grinch. Um. No, it's either Rudolph or Charlie Brown. I think it's Charlie Brown. Um. Let me take a look here. Let's see. Okay, the first one was Rudolph. Should we actually. should we thank the Coca Cola Company for Charlie Brown or what? Thank you, Coca Cola Company for Charlie Brown. And you know that's a good segue to start because that is a good piece of trivia. Um. So the the story around the whole, the story around the whole um, where I okay. Well, we can start with Charlie Brown chronologically. We can Rudolph is first though. 
There's Rudolph, Charlie Brown, Grinch, and then the Lego special. Which one would you like to start with? Uh, we'll just start with Charlie Brown because I brought up the Coca-Cola company. Thank you okay. for making Charlie Brown. Thank you. Thank you, Coca-Cola Company. So basically what happened was, you know, Peanuts was big in the early 60s, okay? It was like probably like the premier comic strip, like newspaper strip at the time. Um, you know, it had big cultural impact. And as we know now, it's like, you know, all those characters and Charles Schultz's drawings and everything is iconic. And Peanuts is a great strip. I recommend checking it out if you can. So they wanted to do a special for Charlie Brown. Okay, because, you know, the next step after comics is let's put this on TV. Maybe we'll get a movie. So what happened was the Coca-Cola company at this time was looking to, for a special to sponsor. Um, and basically, Schultz and then the director of this, uh, Bill Men uh, or sorry, Lee Mendelson, the director is B. Mendelez, not to be confused. They had a, they had a script that they gave to Coca-Cola um and they were you know hey we're gonna have some jazz in there we're gonna have they outlined the whole thing and the outline was mostly the same the thing was coca-cola was like okay um make the special we're gonna fund it one thing you gotta put this coca-cola billboard in the movie <laughs> or in the short because you know they're putting the big bucks up they need a little bit of that airtime, right you know a little integrate. love back they need a little love back. Um, so originally, it's in that, in the original airing of the strip, it's in there. Or sorry, not the strip, of the special, it's in there. Um, in, subse mm -hmm. in subsequent uh, re-releases and remasters, that's, that's gone, which is why most people don't even know that's there. Um, and it, of course, it's kind of funny that the whole thing is like a sponsored Coca-Cola thing because the whole special really... It's a rally cry against materialism and consumerism. commercialism and consumerism, yeah. um, particularly of Christmas. Um, so, you know, in the end, we got this special. Lucas, I've seen the special a million times. I think you've seen it maybe a, few, a little bit less than I have because your parents probably regulated your TV viewing when you were a kid more than mine did. What oh, yeah. did you think of this? Um, like, I'm gonna, we're going to clash here on a couple of things, because mm -hmm. I know you're a big a big Peanuts guy or whatever the hell it's called. I really know nothing about Charlie Brown. I know Charlie Brown, and maybe he has a friend named Betty or <laughs> Lloyd. Uh, Jeremy. Lionel? Lenny? What's, <laughs> I don't know. That little, what's that little doofus who likes his blankie? He likes his blankie and Bible passages. Uh, that's Linus. Linus. Okay, yeah. I really don't know much. I know Snoopy and I think the little bird is Woodstock. It is, yeah, Woodstock. Um, and there's a dude that plays a piano and there's a guy that's covered in fleas. But that's really, like, I know what they look like vaguely. I, I don't know much about the lore or anything. I remember when I was a kid, I would see ads on tv for the great pumpkin <laughs> all of the time around halloween but i've never seen that short i've i really I, re I, I know that charlie brown's theme or maybe that's just a theme of the christmas special but either way 
I know very little about it. I watched it for the first time, the Christmas special, last year, and I was like, man, this is really depressing. <laughs> like, uh, maybe they could just do it a bit faster and funner and, you know, more Christmas spirit and more just cool. And... <laughs> But you know what, I and I and I can totally understand that because, in contrast with other specials, even all the specials that came after this, um, even though this is, I guess, like I of animated TV specials for that air during the holiday season, this is sort of the preeminent one. This one is kind of a downer. That's the thing with Peanuts is that Peanuts, it's a strip, and especially this, this really harkens back to the strip. And one of the reasons I like the special is that it really captures the spirit of this uh, the strip well and that's partially because or lack you know, thereof or lack thereof because it's really <laughs> downer and depressing uh but the peanut strips you know they have like your sort of one-off kind of gag jokes but to me it was really like a precursor to calvin and Hobbes, where you have the newspaper strip but they try to explore a little bit more um in the peanuts case it's a little bit more quaint and a little bit more golly gee but it really tr- try to strive to have a little bit of thematic depth. It try to have it tries to have a little bit of the issues that preoccupy adults at the forefront, and I guess part of the appeal is that is that you just put it into these little kids. So in the story, you know, you have Charlie Brown, and you know, if you don't know who Charlie Brown is, he's just this bald kid who wears the same shirt every day, and nobody likes him because well they don't really explain why it's just nobody likes him um and he's depressed because christmas comes around and you know nobody's here to give him any cards he just feels you know it he feels down basically and i think a lot of people can relate to that especially as they grow older that you know the juxtaposition of the the cheery holiday season with the reality of what's ever going on in your life can be a little bit depressing, so to speak. So what happens is his his semi-abusive friend Lucy says, hey, you know, direct the Christmas play and that's going to get you up on your feet and it's going to give you something to do. And, you know, (laughs) what Lucy really says, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Here's the job that you're not ready for. And then that's kind of the, that's kind of the main story. There isn't like a huge, this isn't a big, plot driven thing this thing is 25 minutes long um yeah but that's the gist of it it is kind of depressing in that regard i one of the things that i like about this special though is that it's just so much more um thoughtful than a lot of specials especially animated tv specials and we'll talk about the other ones that follow but this one is my favorite and there's a few and there's lots of great touches in this that make this so endearing and i know a lot of people and especially people who haven't seen this growing up or maybe seeing it for the first time as adults might kind of fail to understand the appeal, especially because there's things I'll admit that are less than perfect. Like number one, you have in an unconventional approach um, at the time anyway, and I guess still now, the voice acting, they got all kids to do the voice acting. Schultz didn't Mm -hmm. want adults to come in and, you know, do their like little Timmy Turner voice that sounds weird and like kind of adult but not so they got real kids 
actual kids to do all the voice acting for the kids. And of course, in Peanuts, you don't have adults speaking. They just go wah, 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 because adults, all they say all the time is bullshit, right? Um, Can I jump in for one second? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. For anyone who hasn't seen any, uh, hasn't seen the special before, if you've ever watched South Park, it kind of has that same sound quality as to when Ike will say stuff. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, continue. It's 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 like kind of raw and, and off the cuff that way. The kids in this will stutter. They'll kind of flub their lines. They'll just pause in the middle yeah. of their sentences, which is like, and it reminds, it does remind you a lot of Ike. Um, and it's kind of funny that recently, I think I showed you like that little, that clip of how they record Ike, or maybe you showed that to me. Yeah, but, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I sent that to you. I like that clip though. But yeah, they just get this kid to just say, they just repeat lines back to him into the mic. And, and to me, that's part of the appeal of this is that, it has a very sort of raw, authentic approach to the special. The budget on this was pretty small, $96,000, which for like a major network special was really small. Um, the Is anim- that with inflation? That's I, that's without inflation. Okay. With, with inflation, I can check that. Um, that would be like, just give me a second here. What year was that? That was 65 Oh, that, was, that would be quite a bit of a boost. That today would be like 800000 Okay. But that's still relatively small. The The voice acting in this I love because by having these kids, you know, say their lines like that um, in this kind of fashion where it's very authentic, they're not properly trained, you know, they're just doing as well as they can with what they're given and not you know very rigorous directing it it just feels more authentic that way and it's and it's hard to really it's it's really hard to explain or to capture that kind of feeling and especially because me as someone who likes animation a lot i'm very critical of poor voice acting and that's something we'll talk about in in a couple other specials later on today but in this it just works for me and you know when sally is reading out her list and she says all i want all i want is my fair share and like this very broken five-year-old kind of way it just feels real and it and, yeah. it and it feels genuine um and that's that's one of the reasons i like the voice acting in this so much i think getting kids to do voice acting like this is an underrated aspect and i don't think all the voice acting is particularly bad anyway i think peter robbins who does charlie brown he does a great job I like Linus. He does his little soliloquy in which he tries to explain the meaning of Christmas by quoting the New Testament. I think that was a great sequence. Um, I actually think Lucy's done well. They usually do pretty well with Lucy because she's, <laughs> she really portrays like the cruelty of children really well and just their sort of bossy attitude all the time. Um, but all that stuff is good. And it the voice acting in this is is a plus for me personally. I like I don't have an issue with the maybe not the voice acting the uh maybe just the mastering of the audio mm-hmm. um because it's like very uh oof, like it's sound very hollow maybe like it sounds like 
it was recorded like a Wu-Tang album, like an early Wu-Tang <laughs> album, where it, it sounds like almost the mic is five feet away from them. I agree. And, you know, when they open up the mic for the lines, you can hear the crackle, like in whatever yeah. studio they were recording in. Everything does feel like a little bit, not shoddy, but sort of almost homemade. And mm-hmm. that the other thing is sort of the appeal of this um, is 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 like the voice acting, that kind of shoddy nature. If we're talking about the animation here, it's also nothing to write home about. Um, Schultz's style really lends itself well to animation, actually, I find, in the sense that um, the characters are easy to portray. You get some uh, you get some standouts like sequences, like the skating stuff um, or whenever Snoopy has to have his little escapades. Uh, but for the most part, it's kind of stiff. The line work isn't like perfect. You see color spilling over the lines and such like that. Mm-hmm. B- but once again, that kind of stuff and that sort of rough nature of the special uh, just lends a kind of quality, I think. And it's almost ironic or I guess suiting that this film or this special that kind of rallies against commercialism and materialism and stuff is sort of done in a haphazard manner. Um, that gives it sort of a more naturalistic feel. Yeah, I, I like maybe... I, I definitely like the the stills of the movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe not exactly like how every panel plays off of each other. Mm-hmm. But I really like... One thing I'll say for all the, mo- all the specials that we talk about is I really like the... I really like the style of them all. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, actually really like the style of the the peanuts characters and when mondo did uh, that sale of those posters i when you were getting one i almost kind of wanted to get one even though i really didn't know much or i still don't know much about peanuts but just the art itself is uh is pretty interesting yeah i think that it, it's always nice when a comic book artist can do a lot with less I know kind of the meta now, especially for like big comics, is making them look fairly realistic. Uh-huh. Like if you get a new Batman or whatever, it's not like, you know, Detective Comics 1 or whatever the fuck. It's it, it, it's much more it's much more realistic now. Yeah. the Nowadays, especially in art and animation, they try to appeal to more, you know, less stylized, I suppose. And, and I guess that's just kind of what the... I don't know if, if I want to say what that's what the market is demanding, so to speak. But stylized stuff, you're always going to get more division than playing it safe and having, you know, clean, albeit unparticularly creative kind of stylized work. Um, but in this, you know, I like the animation. Like I said, the Schultz stuff lends itself well. Um, there is some like weird anomalies in terms of like animation and camera work. Like, they recycle frames sometimes. There's one weird part that always sticks out to me, which is when (laughs) Charlie Brown, towards the end of the special, after being rallied on and ragged on by his friends um, for picking out a little Christmas tree that, you know, looks like total crap, um, he leaves dejected, of course. um, And they eventually get Snoopy's decorations off his doghouse and they put it on the tree and they clean it up real nice. And then there's one part where Charlie Brown sort of doubles over and it and it like zooms in, punches in really quick on the on the tree and then it scrolls down and then it zooms back out. That's kind of weird to me. 
And there's little quirks and animation stuff that they clean up in later remasters that you might not see if you don't watch the original original cut of it. Uh, but it all once again, it all has this homey quality, and I know it's it's sort of weird to say that all the imperfection in this film are is what makes it like special. But to me, this is one of those things where, like, the earnest nature of it all is what really sells it. The other thing that makes this special so great to me is the soundtrack, which I think is stunning. Um, it's done by the Vince Guaraldi, sorry Guaraldi trio, um, and they do like this sort of melancholic very simple jazz score for the film which once again was unprecedented at the time to have like a sort of jazz theme um for a kids holiday special that was airing on network television i love all the mm -hmm. music in this i think that's i think that's easily like the best christmas album that there is period um it lends this sort of like it lends a kind of subtlety to the film um it's very thoughtful in its nature it it scores really well. You know, there's the iconic Linus and Lucy scene when they're all dancing. But even the yeah. stuff like just the the, the slower, uh, punchier rendition of Oh, Tannenbaum, when Charlie Brown is walking around uh, his neighborhood with some light snowfall, it really helps set the mood. And this is a really thoughtful animated special. And it's something that probably deviates from the norm when it comes to children's i suppose television is that they really take the time to have quieter moments to have a little bit of melancholy in the film my favorite quiet moment is just when charlie brown leaves after his friends have rejected him for his poor choice of christmas tree and he takes a look at the big star in the sky and one of linus's passages comes to mind and he just spends a good five or ten seconds looking at it with the score in the background. And it's just a really touching, beautiful moment. And it's something that really, it's this sort of mood that pervades throughout the whole special, even, you know, when they're dancing around and, you know, the inter the brief interludes, like when Lucy is talking to Schroeder on the piano and she's asking him to play Jingle Bells and stuff. There's a kind of reserved, uh, thoughtful quiet quality that Peanuts has, and especially the special has, and that make it a standout for me. I'm going to say one more thing, and then do you want to move on to the next uh, next special? Yeah, sounds good. It's, the big thing for me is that it's a lot of the dialogue in the movie is stuff that most kids won't say. Yes. And I, 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 when I was watching it, I'm no longer a kid, so I can't do it, but I'm like, would a kid watching this be interested in this at all mm -hmm. um that that always c confused me um just just the dialogue and like well, kids wouldn't say this and but one thing i do like i don't i don't know maybe appreciate is mm -hmm. that a lot of christmas specials and maybe this is contradicting what i said earlier that was depressing i don't think it's bad that it's depressing it just is depressing uh, a lot of christmas specials are just like Christmas is great, and I love my family and presents. And at the end, they, they do say, like, I love my family. Not, I love my family, but, you know, it's a time to rejoice or whatever. Um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, I, I, yeah, a lot of specials are just, like, happy-go-lucky. Oh, this is so sweet. Oh, this is so nice. Blah, 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 blah. And then this 
this is just like, man, I, you know, I have all these presents, but I'm still not happy or whatever. Um, and that search for the Christmas spirit, I guess, is uh, a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I actually like about this also is they you have the scene at the end, of course, where they reconcile. Charlie Brown sees the nice tree and they all say Merry Christmas. And then you have a great moment where they sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mm-hmm. One thing I like about this special, and this is the last thing I'll say, is that it doesn't give you these answers. You know, Charlie Brown is asking all these existential questions about happiness and the nature of the Christmas season and stuff. And it doesn't really answer that, so to speak. It just gives you ideas and room to think about these things yourself. It's not something that spoon feeds you and tells you, you know, the spirit of Christmas is when you sit at home and you eat cake with your parents or some bullshit like that, which, you know, Christmas is that for a lot of people, but there's no one meaning of Christmas or one sort of, uh, you know, idea that should everyone should hold dear. And one thing I like about this special is that it doesn't really feed you that you know you have the scene of reconciliation which is to show friendship and porn and that being loved is something that everyone should experience but it's it's kind of a it kind of respects your intelligence in that regard um which one do you want to do next uh let's do the grinch because you know what the grinch came out i think a couple years after this uh, so Charlie Brown Christmas was in 1965, and then The Grinch came out. And that was actually part, uh, trivia-wise, that was actually due in part to the ex- success of the initial special, um, which was like lukewarmly received at the time. However, um, a lot of people, uh, like critically, that is, um, but viewers really attached to it, and it had a big presence on TV. And, of course, it's been on TV every year after. Um, the Grinch was... What special are you talking about? Charlie Brown. Oh, okay. So the Grinch um, was actually given four times the budget that the Charlie Brown special was. And it shows because it's a pretty well animated and it's actually a very, very beautiful looking special. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things about it. Um, the colors in this are exquisite. They really pop. You know, you get these deep blues. You know, you have these various uh, Susian contraptions. Like these foo flanglers. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that stuff because that shit. Like the the closest to pisses me off when he when he's making shit up. But you have all these contraptions and all these whimsical characters, um, and it all looks really good. All the colors look nice. The animation in this is really smooth. In particularly, sorry, in particular with the Grinch, uh, he looks really great. And the animation done for his character specifically uh, is really astonishing. I think. When he smiles all big and his little feelers twist out and mm-hmm. <laughs> or when he gets like eye to eye with his dog. What's his dog's name? Max? Max, yeah. When he gets eye to eye with him and he's frowning. He's so expressive. His skin looks like uh bodybuilders after they take diuretics for <laughs> three months <laughs> and they're just pissing themselves dry. That's that's basically what a skin looks like. It was a nice droopy leather skin. Mm. Yeah, it, you can like it really wears its budget on the sleeve because you know they there's a lot of close ups of the Grinch and yeah you see every little every little wrinkle and crease on him. You see his grotesque teeth. Looks like a Picasso painting mm-hmm. in his mouth. 
uh, it's all good. You know, the design of the Grinch is cool too. In the original book, he was just kind of like, he was like basically just a hairy who, and he was also in black and white. Fun fact is that this is actually the first depiction of the Grinch being green. And that was a creative decision made by the animators. Because in the book, he's just white. Or two-tone, I guess. Like, he's got he's white with, like, you know, black strokes to show that he has fur. In uh, this one, he... Interesting. Yeah. It, it, you know, the Grinch is green. I mean, I, I don't think they'd mind, they thought about that one too hard. But even his character design is really cool. He's just, like, this pot-bellied guy. He's, he's this pot-bellied guy. He's got, like, this alpha-alpha cut. He looks like he's wearing like some jumpsuit. Uh, jumpsuit. He's got like his feet. They look like he's wearing like these socks. And he even has like they're like sh- he has shoes on, but they look like they're part of their feet. And his actual feet look like his shoes, just a different color. He's got a really cool design, um, and the colors and everything are really great in this. So that's probably one of the best parts of it, is the animation showcase wise. It's always nice during the holiday season when you pass by a TV and you see this on. Because it just it just looks nice to have in the background, you know. It's a really well done animation. Um, the in particular, just some sequences where they, of course, like besides the Grinch, um, I like how the way they animate Max and his expressions when he gives a little shrug after they're rolling down the hill, <laughs> or whenever the Grinch or the sequence in which Grinch is in Whoville taking all the stuff and they show all the little tidbits and all the precarious balancing he does with like cans of meat and various presents and ornaments and such like that. It's all really good. One thing I never noticed until now uh, is that Boris Karloff voices the Grinch and also the narration in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I never, well, I, I never thought like, Oh, the narration, the narrator is the same voice as the Grinch. They just do the voices like slightly different, or maybe I was just a dumbass kid. I don't know. But Boris Karloff, for those who don't know, and for you if you don't know, he is the mummy, and he's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was I uh, seeing him in this like uh, kids movie. I was like, oh shit, that's weird because all I know him from is is uh, his roles in horror movies. So that was re- that was interesting, and I think he does a, a good job as the Grinch. He's not really doing much voice acting wise i mean he does like little he does a different voice for the narration and for the grinch but like he's he doesn't have huge range in the movie or anything it's just really um the tone of his voice that sells it which is just kind of natural he has that kind of sort of sort of voice um sound mixing though in the movie um i was watching i was like oh this is kind of off like the Grinch's voice is much more quiet than other parts of the movie and I found myself having to like adjust the volume mm-hmm. I don't know if you had that same issue but I, I was watching it and it's like okay that this is sounding weird and I always kind of look for sound mixing more now like I was watching Star Wars and I was like man this sound mixing is superb and like that's what everyone said about it at the time too like everyone loved the sound mixing so now when i watch a movie i kind of try to be more cognizant of that and when i was watching this I was like oh the sound mixing is weird but that's that's a technical thing the story is is so simple um and I, I, it just works really well just the grinch um steals all this stuff and then he's like oh this will kill christmas and then it doesn't because the 
very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Selfless who's, they don't care about all the other stuff. It's just about getting together and singing their dumbass song around the tree. And then the Grinch realized, oh, well, that's what Christmas spirit is about. It's not about toys and roasted beast. It's about uh, holding hands and singing songs. So then he goes and returns all the presents and becomes one with the group. It's it's really simple. It's uh, very short. It's, what, like 20 minutes or something like that? 25? It's like another 25, 22 minutes. Like just enough to fill in a 30-minute spot on television. Yeah, and and it um, it it does well. Like I I really don't have that many problems with them than sort of technical ones. I I really like um. There's a lot of, I guess, physical humor in the movie. Like mm-hmm. there's this one scene where they're ha- sitting down for dinner, and then there's a chef, and he's holding a platter, uh, with that you know, typical cover, big dome cover on it, and he walks up on the table, and then presents a platter, and then takes the little dome off and then a tinier chef comes out holding a platter and a dome and it just keeps going and going and going like Russian nesting dolls until there's a tiny little chef and he presents a strawberry to Cindy Lou Who or Susie Lou. What's mm-hmm. her name? Uh, Cindy, Cindy Lou Who. Yeah, Cindy, Cindy Lou Who. Cindy Lou Who. Uh, that, that stuff's funny. Or <laughs> there's a scene where they're carrying a tree and the tree's kind of bending so, like, they have two tall who's at the end, and then, like, in the middle, where the tree is bent the most, they have these comically small little who's uh, carrying the tree. It looks... It's so dumb, but it, it, it all works. Um, i trying to read my notes here and see what else I have. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just the style of the movie is great. Again, that's, that's what I'm going to say for all the movies. Or all the shorts, specials, whatever. They uh, they, it's all stylized really, really well. It like, it's kind of. Maybe this was like the version that I was watching, but. The animation is not like necessarily polished. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the lines are kind of jagged. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'll agree with that. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. Like, it kind of looks like a... This is going to sound like I'm dunking on it. But like an MS Paint drawing, but I'm really not. (laughs) I I like how everything looks, like, just so expressive. Everything looks so expressive, really, except for the Who's. The Who's are just, like, smiling little dweebs. Except for Cindy Lou, who gets a bit of animation. And her voice acting is good. I wonder if it was... A, a grown woman doing like a Madonna thing where they're sounding like the three or something. Um, but she, she has a few lines. I don't even think, I'm pretty sure Boris Karloff is the only one credited though in the credits in terms of voice acting. He is because the only, the only actual voice acting in this is Boris. You have Cindy Lou who says one line like Santa Claus, why are you taking a tree? And then, yeah. and then you have Max and say anything, makes a couple sound effects. Um, and then you have the song "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch," and then also all the other songs. But yeah, only Karloff is credited. Sorry. <laughs> um, the songs in this are like okay, like that that who bullshit. It rubs me the wrong way. I'm gonna put on the record right now. I don't really like the Who's very much, and I never really like them. Number one, I don't like the way they look. 
Number two, I don't like the way that they act. Um, And I really, just their whole being irks me. This goes for this. This goes for all the other animated, like, Illumination ones. Um, This especially goes for the Jim Carrey one. I hate the way their nose looks. It's so, it's so, pissed me off so bad. And in fact, when I was a kid watching this, like, the who's would just frustrate me? And I think it's because you're supposed to sympathize with the Grinch because he looks cool and he is cool. Um, you know, when the who's got it all in their circle and they're all, and they're all singing and they're smiling, like, it just want to smack them on the head and say, wake up. Like, somebody just stole all your shit and this is what you're doing right now? I don't know. That was a small thing. But, um, yeah. It reminds me of that comic where that dude's bike gets stolen. I fucking who, <laughs> like you I, oh. and I hate that comic so goddamn much. Oh, I so know. You know what? I hate the who's now. You've convinced me. I don't like the who's that much. Um, it, I you mentioned the line work in this. I think partly, uh, and that's and this is kind of the same Charlie Brown effect where the author of the original was directly involved in the production. In fact, Doctor Seuss just did the script for this. Um, so I like to think that's kind of an ode to his style, which is very like rough, you know, why everybody's hairy and scraggly and has kind of beady eyes and big eyelashes and stuff like that. So I think that's homage to that, or at least direct input, input um, from Dr. Seuss. Um, and I will agree that the visual comedy is nice in this. It's a small book that they had to stretch into 30 minutes. So you get the story sequences and then you just have part of some visual joys going on with Max and and the Grinch, and, you know, it's not a silent special, but there is pretty little dialogue besides the narration, and I think that kind of lends itself well to this, because, hey, we don't need too much talking, because that's how you get the 2000 Jim Carrey Grinch, um, and also because it's such a visually stunning piece of art that, you know, direct most of the attention there, which is where all the budget went, and that's what's going to please people. Another thing I like is, like, that the Grinch doesn't have, uh, like, a human physics. Like, there's a scene where he's just slithering on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he can just, like, pretty much just do kind of anything he wants. I like all that stuff. All the physical stuff, like, where they just are, you know, let's let's make the Grinch, uh, let's make the Grinch slither. Let's make these, that scene where he shoots a, shoots a, a Christmas ornament like the ball and it bounces up and knocks all the others down like mm-hmm. it just doesn't have gravity that uh that's interesting i like all that stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's all good um they, they did a really good job animation animation wise and yeah I, I, those visual gags are really good too that's uh that's pretty much all i have to say about that the uh, last thing i'll say is that I, I don't know if i mentioned this already but the song you're mean one mr grant that's a great song um he really goes to town on like he really hates the fucking Grinch. The Grinch, you know, he he's not a great guy, you know, and you know he's slimy. He probably smells really bad. Uh, I bet if you met the Grinch in real life, you probably hate him. And they did, the lyrics on this are pretty funny and just the, the loathing of the Grinch. But I guess that's how people see the Grinch. But uh, just the the vocals on it are great, and it's even hearing it like outside of the special. It's welcome for me. I know some people maybe think it's weird, but it's it's uh it's always it's always enjoyable for me. Which one do you want to talk about next? Uh, let's talk about Rudolph next. Uh, so that sure. one, this one came out in nineteen sixty four, so predates both 
the Grinch and Charlie Brown. So this one is uh, differs from the last two in that rather than traditional 2D animation, it's stop motion. This one's done by Rankin and Bass Productions, which most people will know probably primarily for their holiday specials. This was the first one they did, and they went on to do two more or uh, two or three more. They did a little Drummer Boy as well as those two Santa Claus specials. The first one being Santa Claus Coming to Town, which is his origin story. And then the Year Without Santa Claus, where they get, you know, Mr. Frost and Mr. Hot Guy to sing their I'm Mr. White Christmas song. Uh, but this is the first one. This one is a mixed bag for me. Now, I'm going to be honest. I know this is considered a classic. But this one, historically for me, has been like kind of lackluster. And I'll tell you why. Okay, I'm going to start with the good in this. Because there's some good stuff in here. Number one. The models in this are pretty decent. And in particular, I really like the character design. Um, I love it. You get Rudolph. You know, he's just a typical reindeer. But, you know, his his bright luminescent nose, it, it looks pretty good. Um, Hermie, he's a standout. His, his little eyes, his his blonde hair that with a little bit of a swish. And his bright demeanor, it all lends itself well. You know, Yukon Cornelius, what a man. What else is there <laughs> to say about him? Abominable snow. Man. Abominable Snowman, he looks great too. These are very iconic character designs, um, and there's a reason, and I think that's one of the big reasons, of course, that this special has persisted persisted so long. It looks really nice. Um, Do you like the Santa? It, Santa is okay. He looks. He, he's actually probably my least favorite. And he looks. He's whatever. I kind of like it that he's just like skinny, and he's, he just has this comically large head. That is a nice little touch that they add. And even in the beginning of the film, the first time you see him is Mrs. Claus feeding him food, saying, Santa, please eat, eat. <laughs> uh, this is this is a Santa for the body-shaming generation. So kudos to them on that one. You know, we need Slim Santa. He, you know, he doesn't have to be fat. You know, it's, it's, you know, we see him fat all the time. He can be skinny. It's cool. Whatever. Um the compare, I guess, um, if we had sort of Boris Karloff as the star of The Grinch, with narration and the voice acting, the counterpart is here. We have Burl Ives, who was a star at the time. Uh, they actually hired him last minute, and his interludes as the snowman were like a Sam the Snowman, I believe his name is. It's one of the last things that they put in the special. Um, but his he's got two great songs in this that I love, and in fact, they're probably the only songs on the soundtrack that I actually like. The the Misfit Toys song is whatever. I hate the stupid little Santa song they present. When he, when you know, they orchestrate in Hermes doing dentistry in the background, um, Silver and Gold and Holly Jolly Christmas, those are classics, especially Holly Jolly Christmas. I sometimes forget that's from the special, but that is the origin of that song. Um, that's all good. Uh, otherwise, the soundtrack is nothing to write home about. It's not quite a musical, but I'd say there's six or seven songs peppered throughout the 15 minute runtime. Speaking of which, is way too goddamn long. Um, this is a novelty song, okay? And this is the, see, this is this problem, like, the Grinch had this problem to, uh, like, a super small degree, where you have this little kid's book, you have this stretch it to 25 minutes, so you put visual gags in there, and those, for the most part, paid off, you know, the runtime doesn't feel this long. This special feels so goddamn long, even though it's 50 yeah. minutes, because the story of Rudolph is simple, like, they all hate him. He's different. He's like, man, oh, that sucks. And then Santa says, hey, actually, I can use you for something. Let's do this. They all love him. The end. Uh, in this, of course, they have to throw in a million bullshit characters that you don't care about. They have this meandering plot where 
Rudolph leaves and he goes on this journey in the tundra and then he meets Hermie and Yukon. Then they go to the island and miss the toys. Then his family leaves to go get him. Then he leaves Hermie and Yukon. Then he comes home and then he leaves again to go get his family. Like 20 minutes through the special, always, I tune out because it's so unmemorable. <laughs> it's not really worth talking about, to be honest. The plot is pretty bad. Um, but the, I mean, and the, just the symptom of when you adapt a song into an hour-long special, I guess. But it's just, I don't know, it's it's kind of hard to watch. It's pretty boring, honestly. The models in this are good, but the animation is actually kind of janky. It's stop. Mo- it's missing some frames. It's missing too many frames. Um, we've yeah. seen, and you can chalk it up to whatever excuse or cope you want. But like you know, like year a few years later, or like like if we have to if we have to make the obligatory Star Wars comparison, like eleven years after this, they did really good, if small portions of like stop motion stuff, like the chess scene. That stuff looks really good. And this, yep. you know, it's like kind of janky, very jerky. It's not smooth at all. Like you said, it's missing frames, which is like the weirdest part because things will randomly speed up for like, you know, like a quarter of a second before making their conclusion of their animation. And it just kind of gives it like an almost cheap quality. Um, I don't know. It, it never really set, sit well with me. The set mm-hmm. design and stuff like that, and once again, the model work is all pretty decent, but the animation itself is pretty bad. Um, the other thing that pisses me off is that the voice acting in this kind of sucks. Rudolph in this is pretty bad. Um, you know, yeah. he, he's done in like this nasally style, and, and that's in part because half of the time his nose is covered with some coal or some dirt or something because, you know, he can't show his nose. Um but Rudolph is pretty bad. His father, Donner, he, he, I, I don't oh, like... Rudolph, you gotta... You gotta... He sounds like a total jackass. I don't know if that was the point, but it was whatever. Um, I like Yukon and I like Hermes um, voice acting-wise, but everything else is kind of whatever. All the dumbass little reindeer kids. I don't even know what Rudolph's girlfriend's name is, like Patricia or something. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I have no clue. Uh, it's nothing to write home about. Overall, like, the special has admirable qualities, but, like, I really don't find myself enjoying it front to back like other specials. Like the last two we just talked about, which are so easy to watch. This one, I don't know. It's It doesn't really sit that well to me. Um, the big thing um, with this is just that the message of it or i guess like the whole christmas spirit idea or like if we have to talk about the holiday theme isn't even that strong it's just like hey um we need you for this thing can you do it and they say yeah and then it's like christmas is saved it's a pretty basic plot doesn't really aspire for anything more which is fine because once again they're probably trying to just follow the poem or the song that it's based off of um, and as a side note, the ending of this movie um, has the heroes torturing the villain by pulling all his teeth out. Then they try to kill him, and then they redeem him by enslaving him. So that tells you all you need to know about this morally bankrupt uh, piece of television. I, what do you think? I mentioned this, I think, on our Elf episode about the people who, um, like or the argument that this this movie has a bad message because they shouldn't 
people shouldn't not bully people just because their uh, differences can be utilized. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I, like, I agree. Like, the, you know, I'm not saying that all these Christmas rituals have to have, like, some meaning or, you know, some moral. I mean, they don't have to all be fables or whatever. And we get enough preachiness in a lot of kids' media. Uh, but this one also kind of sucks. They're so mean to Rudolph in the beginning. Even Santa's like kind of a dick to him. He's like, yep. "Hey, that's kind of weird. Like, cover that shit up." Uh, <laughs> and then they're just nice to him because he saves the day because there's a big storm that happens. Mm, okay, well, that didn't really make me feel that warm inside, to be quite honest. Also, how that was their first storm ever. Yeah, uh, well, it was, according to the newspapers that they show in the beginning, it was the storm of the century, which is whatever, I don't know, Santa didn't have like a spotlight on his sleigh, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, but whatever, I don't know, this special didn't, I don't even like that spe- this special that much, to be quite honest, Um, and especially in comparison to the other rank and bass ones, I'd much rather watch those, Um, I don't know if it's because Rudolph is also like a super uninteresting character because he's just like a guy who does things and doesn't really have a personality. But yeah, this one is a write-off for me. He doesn't work for anything in the movie. He doesn't. I mean, he goes on this journey to save, you know, his big redemption besides the whole can you guy my slaves and nice. He goes on this journey to go save his sit his his girlfriend and his mother after they go to search for him but like you know okay who cares then but it yeah the thing is like it doesn't have anything to do with the main thing at the end like the whole thing is just let's do all the stupid stuff Mm -hmm. we can fill in time and then rudolph can like guide his sleigh okay like, I feel like this movie would have been better if it wasn't about Rudolph. It also would have been better if it was half the length. This did not need to be 50 minutes. Uh, this is the huge no. thing. The pacing in this is abysmal, which is like to comp to, to have bad pacing in like a less than an hour special or film or whatever you want to call this. That's, you know, that's pretty rough, guys. OK, come on. So maybe better luck next lifetime uh Rankin Bass the Rudolph stuff for me I don't like it he also has a bunch of sequels to this um yep. like Rudolph shiny new year I I think I watched that one time when I was a kid who cares I would much rather I would much I would rather rec- I would rather I would recommend rather than watching this watch Santa Claus is coming to town that one is way better um Santa in that film is a much more interesting character it's just a more interesting story, even though it's kind of a weird sort of tale, this strange origin of Santa that doesn't really make sense. And I feel like a lot of big mistakes that Christmas films or movies make or television shows is that they try to give origins for Santa, which is like something that doesn't need an origin. But that one kind of works. Um, I think we kind of forgot to mention this on our Elf review when we were talking about it, but the the costume that Elf had or buddy the elf has is just a, or all the elves in that movie have are the same as the costumes that the elves have in this movie mm-hmm. yeah so there was some there were some nice homages to this in elf uh number one the and the snowman the snowman the all this uh the set work in the north pole as well as the little animal friends just before he leaves for new york those are all homages to rankin and bass and those mm-hmm. were stuff and that was stuff that john favreau uh that was 
those elements were what drew him to the script really is that initially he declined it but when he realized he could have those sort of homages it kind of appealed to him and also yeah the costumes are just straight ripoffs uh, i don't know if they're wearing the tights in this i never really bothered to look but uh, they are yeah they are wearing the tights okay yeah yeah um and that's and you know that's a great piece that's a great uh comedic element in elf is just when you have the translation of the stop motion tv special to a real guy it doesn't look as cute does it but yeah all right last one last one let's talk let's talk about the lego star wars holiday special this one's new you know last year we did the the regular holiday special from 78 uh you know say what you will about it but it's a masterpiece um this one is on disney plus um came out this year as follows so the plot of this is that ray and this takes place after rise of skywalker Ray is trying to teach. Is it the last one? That's that's the last one, yeah. Okay. Uh, so Ray's trying to teach Finn how to be a Jedi, but she's not doing a good job. You know, Finn's not really getting it. You know, she, she, what does she do? So she goes to the text. The texts don't really help her. She goes to a place to get a thing, and the thing takes her through time so we have an excuse to look at various eras of star wars and get some jokes um poking and prodding at the lore and the trappings of the franchise along the way lucas you're the star wars guy you tell me what you think of this one all right so obviously not canon not canon because well you'll if you watch it you'll know why it's not canon she goes through time you know it doesn't make sense but it yeah there's some stuff that I like in it. I think generally I want I came out of it enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that suck in this movie. Like they got the most uh, British woman possible oh to voice God. Ray. Yeah, what? And she's like, fuck? oh, <laughs> like I don't want to, I don't want to make fun of British people here too much, but uh, she's just like, oi, bro, the the jet, uh, yeah, uh, like she's so. Her voice is so off. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I was laughing the whole time watching it. Like, what is this voice? So terrible. There's some other bad voice acting. Like, um, I know, like, Kylo Ren was pretty crap for me, which was weird because he's voiced by Matthew Wood, who is a voice of Grievous. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job there. Uh, the Emperor's voice acting kind of sucks. I wish they just got Seth MacFarlane because he was great as the Emperor and the robot chicken stuff, I think. And they basically, the Emperor in this movie basically has the same, um, same personality that the Emperor and the robot chicken stuff does where um, he's kind of like a sassy teenager and then Vader is like a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which eventually kind of pissed me off while watching it. Uh, But I guess it's for kids, so they have to make... Like, grown-ups and kids' movies still have to be somewhat, like, childlike. Yeah. Just because, like, an actual emperor is just all not that exciting. He's pretty slow. Um, I liked all the jokes in the movie where they were just kind of making fun of... The movies, like, they go back in time and see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Phantom Menace, and then Obi-Wan's like, who cares about trade disputes? Mm -hmm. Like, let's get on with it. That stuff was funny. 
uh, Emperor's like Starkiller base is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that was great, well, I was so happy is when we saw the Lego versions of Itchy and Lumpy and Scratchy. <laughs> And dumpy and plumpy. I was so happy when they came back on screen. I cheer and then I say, yes, it's freaking lumpy. Oh, he looks great. Uh, they don't really have lots to do in this movie. I, probably because they learned the lesson the first time around and gr- grunting and groaning for an hour and a half mm-hmm. isn't a good idea. Uh, no animated Boba Fett scene, which sucked. However, the Mandalorian scene was really funny um, because even though they're in lego form there's still like a stylistic a very drastic stylistic difference between um the rest of star wars and the mandalorian and then you get a baby yoda joke cares but it was funny that you know you get like the western music and they're having like a gunfight and then the mandalorian's just like huh and then they just go back to shooting um the the blue milk joke was funny. Whatever you got your blue milk, and I think they literally just did that to tie it into the promotional figure you get with the Lego Star Wars. Uh, what, it's not called the Complete Saga. What is it called? It's a Skywalker Saga. Skywalker, whatever. I don't I don't know why they're doubling down this whole Skywalker thing now, but who cares? It's too late. Um, it's too late. You get your memes like the hello there, all too easy, impressive, most impressive, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then the Han, when at the end of the movie, all the characters kind of team up and fight, and you get your Civil War moment, and then there's young Han and old Han, and then there's Greedo, and Greedo says my clunky, which was awesome, I love the <laughs> my clunky. Uh, and then Han's like, oh, you want to you wanna shoot first? <laughs> An easy little joke there. You, you know what? Uh, if I can just interject, the one yep. thing that bothered me a little bit about this was like, okay, so you get, like, there's a couple good jokes here, but they really doubled down on, like, the let's make fun of Star Wars thing. First of all, and it's funny you mentioned Robot Chicken, we see them do that shit better. Okay, second of all, yep. it's weird coming straight from the source. Like, haha, guys, Obi-Wan says hello there. Like, you didn't make that joke. The community made that joke, and then you're putting that in there. <laughs> That's true. Like, some of the jokes in this are too bottom of the barrel for me. Like, they went on r slash prequel memes, and they're like, okay, put that in the script, put that in the script, put that in the script. Okay, we're good. Okay, put the special out. Like, you know, there's some, you know, it's funny when, you know, Anakin is back, is making fun of Obi-Wan in the elevator or whatever, and, like, there's some good stuff like that. But, like, it, it, it's, like, a little heavy-handed at a point. Like, okay, we get it, guys. Like, you're, you're trying to be cool. Like, you know, hey, guys, we get Star Wars is silly sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, like, a, it's a little much for me. But, you know, the special otherwise, like, it's all right. The the big thing with it for me is that, num- yeah, the, the voice acting in it is pretty bad. Like... They're kind of doing approximations of the film versions, and obviously they're not going to get the film versions because they're going to cost a million dollars. But Ray, especially, like it sounds like an American woman putting on a British accent. <laughs> like I want, is that Luke Skywalker and Yoda? Yoda. Yoda. It's too much. Like it's like I we know that Ray's British, but like she's laying it on a little bit thick. Finn doesn't sound like Finn. 
I'm sure they just got some black guy to be Finn and they called it a day. Uh, Poe in here is like the big comic relief. He's like the silly character doing silly shit. He's crying, you know, he's, he's roasting the turkey. Uh, which didn't make sense because like i mean he's kind of a dumbass in the movies but again i guess it's for kids so maybe just piss me off because now i'm an adult watching this uh <laughs> like he's just act he's just a, a super dumbass the whole movie where he's yeah. Like, yeah i love all my whole life day and i love roasting <laughs> oh what's this i love kiff laugh or whatever they call it tip yep tip yep He's roasting the no. chippyip, which apparently, no, according to Wikipedia, is Andorian chicken. Andorian chicken. That's tippyip. Um, yeah, it's a little much. Like, yeah, I find nowadays you have to have this character in 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 children's media that is like the total idiot, stupid guy who's like you know making easy jokes, interjecting anything serious with a little bit of levity. They do really bad here. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's an okay special. I can't confess to, like, wanting to ever watch this again, to be honest. No. You know, there's some, like, it was a nice one-time novelty to see this. They did an okay job. Um, but they really baited me because I thought this was just going to be a Lego rendition of the original holiday special, which would have really excited me. Uh, no, it wouldn't have. It would have really excited me. It would have really been something to look forward to. You no. know, they, it, it would have been cool. Wrong! But, but we but we get this instead and you know it's it is it is what it is you know it if it wasn't for disney plus this would have been a direct to video dvd not blu-ray dvd release um and yeah that would have been that would have been it but now it's on disney plus so more people watch it it's okay it's whatever yeah i mean like i i went away from it just you know pretty happy oh i wasn't too offended with it i was kind of confused like the whole movie there was like ray and finn and this other woman and i was trying to figure out who the hell this other woman was that's rose tico dude how could you forget i know yeah i don't you know what was the funniest joke in the movie what was the funniest joke when they're like okay we gotta get a band for our party for mm-hmm. a birthday party they're like let's get the max rebo band <laughs> And they have a boomer joke where I think it's Poe is like, dude, nobody, nobody listens to like Max Rebo. The only people who listen to Max Rebo are, and then Billy D. Williams as Lando comes out. He's like, hey guys. <laughs> and that was kind of like a, a, a bo- okay boomer moment. That was funny. Um, it was weird that they got Billy D. Williams and Anthony Daniels in this movie. And then that's it. it. <laughs> Those are the only guys available. Uh, actually, they got D. Bradley Baker. Oh, as, nice. Um, the clones. And as soon as I heard him, like, oh shit, did they get him? But I, I'm sure he's just like on retainer for any animated clone related thing now. Where he's just gonna, he's gonna be there. Would have been cool. Did they get? They didn't get like the voice cast from like the Clone Wars or anybody back from that, did they? The only one I, I recognized was uh, was Bradley Baker. Parker? I think it's Baker. By um, the way, Max Rebo is the blue elephant, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool guy. I like the texturing job that they did on the Lego. It's not really right, realistic at all because Lego <laughs> is shiny. And in this movie, it's like 
kind of bumpy. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's very matte uh, for some reason. And they have some physical, like, quote-unquote physical jokes where, like, they call attention to the fact that they are made out of Lego, which is funny. Like, a character will jump and then their hairpiece will stay up in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, that sort of stuff is an easy joke, but it still it still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? They they really went hard on this um, in terms of like the texture, and because it does look like it's it looks like it's been painted, um, and because of that, you get the little bumps and yeah. imperfections that occur when painting. Which you're right, isn't like as far as I know, Lego is more like a really clean plastic sheen, but yeah. whatever. I guess that wouldn't look as nice, or you know, I guess we've gotten to the point where like you need to have a little extra detail. But you can't make plastic sheen any more detailed than it is. So if you give it a little bit of texturing, it'll it'll add a little something. Um, I want to give an anti shout out to Disney Plus and their shitty streaming because I just got it. Uh, well, actually, my sister gave it to my brother, so now I have it. Um, on Netflix, you know, if your connection kind of falters. It'll just reduce the quality. You know, you go from 1080 to like 720, you know, maybe go down to 480. Then I'll jump back up when things go back to normal. I had to restart this special three or four times because every time that, you know, it would go from high quality to low quality, then it would stutter. Then the dialogue would desync so that the audio was still rolling while my visual picture was frozen. And every, I, this happened four times. The thing, whole thing would just shut down and say something went wrong, try again. That to reopen the whole goddamn thing. Um, I don't know what they do at Netflix to make the thing stream better, but you think Disney had put more money in this. I'm sure this is like a, mostly a me problem just because I have pretty bad internet, but like, let's go, guys. Come on. And also, it would just restart the whole thing for no reason. What's going on there? Did this happen to you at all? Mm, no. You know, it's just me. But, but I will say this: I I have some issues with Disney Plus, like the streaming. Yeah, well, not necessarily the streaming. Um, my recommended for you is obviously not tailored for me at all because all I've watched on Disney Plus are three things now: mm-hmm. The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, and um, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. My recommended for you is Mulan. The Avengers, The Simpsons, and Cars. It should literally only be Star Wars with some other sort of sci-fi, or not sci-fi, fantasy, space, family movies. And instead I have the shitty live action, Mulan, Avengers, Simpsons, and Cars. Like, I, what? Secondly, when you're watching an episode, you can't see other but, episodes but it was, while um, watching it. But <laughs> you know what? Um, an astute observation that my sister pointed out is we we logged on to Disney Plus for the first time, and I went to you know we watched a movie, and then we finished, and I was like, "Where's the rating?" And Helen and Helen, my sister says, "Why would there be a rating when they own everything? According to them, it's all good." <laughs> And I was like, damn, you're right. So you know what? That's that's the other thing is that where Netflix, you know, they don't have particular bias besides their own content, of course. But, you know, you have all the other studios represented. Disney, you know, there's no bad here. It's all good content that you need to watch. So, yeah, they're going to throw cars in the recommended even though you're watching Star Wars because they don't give a damn. And one other thing that bothers me, um, 
other people talk about this too. And this, I guess this is kind of just an issue of streaming in general, but this is very heavy on Disney plus is that they'll just throw in remasters, uh, of, and maybe they'll not be like the same thing you remember them as like, they'll just kind of censor some stuff or, you know, for star Wars, they just have the latest and greatest special edition and nothing else. And I'm like, okay. And I think they're like censoring some Simpsons stuff. And hmm, okay, maybe just don't have it on here then. If you no, no, don't no. have the chutzpah to play it as is. No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about, man. But I saw Star Wars in the theaters in 77. I remember McClunky. And you can say you remember whatever you McClunky? Want. I remember McClunky. That was in there. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say. These are the best versions of the film that they're giving you. And if you don't like it, then, um, unsubscribe. Where is the real Star, uh, Star Wars holiday special on here too, might I add? I, I said it's still under rights disputes kind of thing. Or is, is that the case? I don't know. Because the, besides the original airing and the copies... And the bootleg copies and the Harmy stuff and the stuff on YouTube, it hasn't really been officially acknowledged, except for like the little joke they have here. But like, I, I guess they really want to bury that because I think if they may, you know what the thing is, if they bring it to the forefront, and I don't know if this is really something they're concerned with, but it might be seen as like damaging to the brand. Uh, so maybe that's why we haven't seen the holiday special resurface, um, besides among like the cult community. I know Carrie Fisher had a copy of it in her house. That's the last I heard of it. I, I wish in the movie they put on those cool red robes and then they traveled through space and time and, uh, Leia could sing a song in this one too. I wish I could have seen we Ray. celebrate life. <laughs> I wish I could have seen Ray put on like uh, Grandpa Joe's VR porn set, uh, and then got like a nice Lego rendition of that. That would have been baller, but they don't have the balls for it. Or a little Lego Jefferson airplane, and they could rock out to it. <laughs> it's Jefferson Starship. Okay, it's different. Right. You're right. They tripped on LSD, and then they're like, "Oh, we're Starship." Now. <laughs> it's Jefferson Starship. We do uh, cool space stuff now. They do cool space stuff. I agree. So this special, you know, it was okay. It was, it was, you know, it is what it is. I can't believe they got Jefferson Airplane on that special, by the way. I I wrote down one thing in the notes. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Maybe you could help me figure this out. I wrote down uh, Boba Fett scene was funny. What scene was there with Boba Fett? Because I'm not remembering this funny scene anymore. I don't remember a Boba Fett scene. With Boba Fett? Yeah, maybe I was tripping, man. I don't know. <laughs> Were you tripping, bro? You tripping. Maybe I was thinking of the Mandalorian scene. The Mandalorian scene, maybe that was. Was he? Was he in that scene? I don't know. He wasn't. No, it was like that scene that they're recreating in season one, where the IG eighty eight, but not IG eighty eight droid was there and they were doing that shootout my big takeaway from this is that i almost i kind of wish that we're back in the era when star wars they didn't do any voice acting and there was just all visual comedy and visual storytelling like in the for example the lego star wars game 
you know, I kind of... I kind of wish for that. Like, the voice acting stuff ever since then, and even, like, in the games, it just doesn't resonate as well. It just feels like... It just feels more sterile, you know? Before, the, it was, like, a sort of Lego style to not have voice acting, not have everyone talk, and it was almost like a challenge. But, yeah, it is what it is. Do they do voice acting in the new games? They do voice acting in all the new games now. So, like, in the Marvel games or the Jurassic, they just... They're all talking. Which is weird. Like, I liked it when I was younger that they didn't talk because Legos don't talk. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, when I would be playing with the Legos as a kid, I would just make little noises like, "Ah, and, like, pew, pew, pew. And so, like, I I wouldn't have great dialogue. And the whole point of the games, in my opinion, is to recreate that playing on a visual screen. So it's weird that they have dialogue, too. I mean, I... I grew up with Nintendo games, like playing Mario, where there's no dialogue. So maybe that's why I kind of like that more. But whatever. So uh, would you say that this uh, new special, because this is the new, uh, we did three classics, and then this one is really a new special. Would you say this one is a yay or a nay? You don't have to give it bags per se, but uh, is it worth its salt for the average Star Wars fan? Average Star Wars fan, yeah, watch it. Nice. If you're like, if you're a regular Star Wars fan, you don't, you don't give a shit if if it's bad or not. You'll just eat it up anyway. So, uh, man, like Caitlyn got into a fight with someone on TikTok because like they uh, they showed that there there's a TikTok about that scene uh, in, in Return of the Jedi where they replaced Sebastian Shaw with Hayden Christensen, and she was like, "Man, this doesn't really make any sense." And people were like, mm, "Actually, it's because." Of um, Anakin chose to be this age, and life, life, or uh, Force Ghost lore is this, then the other thing. None of the arguments made any sense. Star Wars fans will just cope. If you're a Star Wars fan, kick rocks <laughs> and watch a special, laugh at it like I did because I'm a dirty Star Wars fan. You laugh at it too, and whatever. Yoda, I just can't get over the voice. It's just like weirdly bad. It's so bad. She's just, like the most chav voice. You don't, actor you don't have to get like just get any like decent British woman voice actor, and that would have been a suitable replacement. Like you know, but this was like jarring. It's just I don't know, you know, like I don't know. Yeah, it's just, Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, like it's just so heavy. It's too much. I get to see my master and my master's master. Oh my god! It, you know, yeah. I, I, I like I like the binary sunset scene where he's drinking the blue milk. That is funny. The blue milk meme. If you're gonna double down on the blue milk meme, I want to see blue milk in stores this year. Ooh, daddy! That like they do a lot of companies. I don't know if they still do the stuff like that, but they used to. Like they would have. Slimer drink and shit. I mean, that I remember when the minions were big and there was like minion cereal and minion freaking bananas and minion shampoo. Yeah, they need to get some blue milk. The blue milk is is so easy because all you have to do, and you know they they love to do this. I remember when like the Force Awakens came out and people were making fun of the marketing for that. There was like the big picture that was circulating was literally just like a bag of mandarins 
um but it just had bb8 on it like they they were just oranges but they just put the star yeah. wars logo and bb8 like vaguely to lou like this is like a bb8 orange you you don't even have to like it's like that level of that level of effort all you have to do is slap a star wars logo on it get a little bit of blue dye put in the milk and you're good to go and you know what i'll buy that shit i have no shame i'm gonna make a blue milkshake at home i don't give a damn the blue milk is such a, like i don't <laughs> i i don't get why that became the meme it's such a meme i think because it's like george you know okay in the original movie you know there's like there's like a little there's some shoddy elements in there like you know like the yeah. devil mask and stuff like that i think that that contributes to the charm of the film because you know like they didn't not everything was super elaborate high quality the blue milk is funny because it looks just like milk and you like you know it's just milk but it's just blue <laughs> and they don't explain it and they don't say anything about it but it's just it's just blue milk and it looks tasty, man. It looks it tasty. Like, don't even trip. Like, you want to try the blue milk. Have you seen the deleted scene where it's Aunt Baru going into her kitchen and she's pouring the blue milk? You sent me that one. Yeah, I have seen that one. Oh, did I? Yeah, I think I think you've shown me that. Like, it's just like the extended scene when they're talking at dinner and Luke says, I want to go to the Jedi or I want to go to the Rebel. Not the Rebel. I want to go train in the Empire. Like, the prelude to that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The blue milk, it just has this, like, soft, you know, earthy color. It just, mm, it just reminds you of home. I just want to sip on that blue milk all day. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, I'm looking it up. I looked it up. Okay, I see a link here that says that there actually was blue milk made. Let me take a look at this. In, in Pennsylvania... They, it's Turner's Dairy, a company named Turner's Dairy made it available at local stores. Um, it's advertised as blue bantha milk. Is that what it is? Bantha milk? Uh, I honestly don't know. Probably. I, Probably. I want bantha milk and I want the titty milk that Luke was drinking in Last Jedi. <laughs> I want, I want both of those. I want to, <laughs> I want to chug on those all day. Those are tasty. Mm-mm. I also they also had a Ben Swolo joke in the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, where Hux is like they're in the pectoral location. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> why don't they just kiss already, man? Like, oh my god, that's what I've been Hurry waiting up. for. Like, like, get it on, come on, that's what we're waiting for. Christ. All right, I'm gonna call it there. Next week we're doing the Voyage Home, Star Trek Four. Get excited. Week after that, Maddie, what do you want to do? I get to pick today? Sure. And if you got nothing, I can uh, pick. Okay, give me 25 seconds, then I'm going to pick something quick. Okay. Sure. All right, let me take a look here. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice of two films. Okay. And you will pick. Uh, okay. You can I we can either watch the 2012 Dread remake, which I was literally gonna say we should watch Dread. You can either watch Dread, okay, or okay, we can watch Mad Max the original. 
Now either's good with me. Uh, I have seen Dread. We'll do I... Dread. We'll do Dread. Okay, let's do yeah. Dread. Like the one with Sylvester Stallone. Um. Yeah, you know it is that one. Um. Don't don't bother downloading. I'm gonna. I'll just send you the. I'll just send you the file though. So don't worry about it. And if it looks different, don't worry about it too. It it's like okay. a, it's just a new mastering they did. It's it's hard to explain. Just yeah yeah. yeah. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. Do you man. want to do a double feature with the two dreads? Like, oh God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Look, if you want, we can do this. We're not going to like this movie. I know we're not. I'm going on the Wikipedia right now. This film is often considered to be one of Stallone's worst films. You don't even like Stallone's best film. So how do you think you're going to like this one? Let me I, Let me ask you that. Well, maybe it'll be like a so bad as good. It'll be a so bad as good. Is that what you think? <laughs> we can do. You know, let's do a double feature. Why not? Because I think I think maybe this one is also a cult movie. Um, God, the only thing I know about this movie is there's there's the one scene that I've seen on YouTube where Dread drops. Don't spoil it. It's it's not a spoiler. Don't spoil it. Okay. I want it to be pure. Fine, I won't say it, but you, I'll I'll tell you guys two weeks from now when we do when we take a look at it. Is Judge Dread DC or Marvel, and it can only be one of the two because those are the only comic book companies. <laughs> Is it DC or Marvel? Uh, yeah. It, there's no other options. No. It's DC. It's DC. Actually, it's, what is it? I have no clue. It's not DC or Marvel. Um, it's British comics, which is uh, I know can what? be scary. Uh, it's British comics, I know. See, in Britain, they didn't have Marvel and DC. They had like uh, varied genres because they weren't. What happened was Yoda. Y Yoda, oi, Yoda. The, the thing with the thing with um, in Europe is that they didn't have the comics code authority to absolutely put the industry in a chokehold so you could have more than just superheroes after the 50s so in the in the in in england they have an anthology series it's a science fiction anthology called 2000 ad um and judge dread was a strip that featured in that weekly anthology beginning i think in like the mid 70s um, and he's been in there ever since. He's probably like the premier character from that anthology. Hmm. Like it's crazy, like that. You know, it. They also gave us heavy metal. Of course, is also. Uh, I, I, actually, that might be American. I'm gonna double check. I th I think it's British, but it could be American. I'm gonna double check this. Uh, let me see here. It's just interesting that there was more, there was a better genre variety overseas than there was here, and that is because of the comics code that came and said actually war comics, horror comics, they're actually eroding um, America's youth. Um, it's just actually turning their brains to poo, so they just banned them in court. Uh, actually, heavy metal is it was American, however. It published European art, which had not been seen at the States at the time, and they hired a lot of European artists, which is why you got a nice diversity 
of art styles, content, and themes in that magazine at the time, which also began at, at exactly the same year as 2080, which was the 77. But what yeah, we'll update. T- oh, sorry, go ahead. For, for uh, the listeners, got the Dawn of the Dead finally. Beautiful. Came with three CDs, four Blu rays. Gonna go through all that content. That's gonna be, you know what? That's a film that's definitely on the list of commentaries to do. Um, that'll yeah. be a good commentary episode. Um, hopefully we'll be back in the studio soon to facilitate these kind of episodes. The last one went pretty well, but I think there's an element lost when we're not there together to watch it on the couch. I'm tired of recording online. I, I'm a little tired of it too. Uh, it's got its problems. Um, every time I say you go ahead, that shit that doesn't happen in the, in the studio. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's okay. Oh, was I talking? Okay, I'll go first. Okay, you go. No, you can't. You go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. You go. I'm building a mouse droid. That's pretty fun. It's actually not that fun because all I have are screws. I don't have anything else yet. There's the screws for screw ASMR. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, the Voyage Home, Dread, double feature. See you then. Uh, see you then. Dread Double Feature will be cool. Star Trek, another Star Trek episode next week. Um, if you're at, didn't pick it. That was all on Matt. If so you guys are asking, if you guys are asking, how do I keep letting Lucas get away with it? I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, I'm still control of the show. Watch Arena. Control of the show has been forcibly um, taken out of my hands, and I have no input any longer. Uh, if you can send Clankers. help. If, <laughs> If you can send help, please do. Uh, British. British. Crowds. Crowds. Crackers. <laughs> I saw one. It was a, a joke for pyros. Like shitty pyros in TF2 is all they do is press W and hold down the mouse <laughs> for their fire. So it was just like... Uh, it was one of those for a pyro, and it was like, and then it said W plus M1, and he was like, ah! and he just killed himself or something at the end, I don't know. I'm glad we're getting this multiverse of, uh, of, uh... <laughs> Is this a racist cartoon? You know what, they messed up in that Clankers video, because what he should have said was Clankers? Is this a Republic cartoon? <laughs> they fucked up in that one. There was one for Soldier, and it was like, maggots for the Soldier. And he was like, is this a commie cartoon? <laughs> that was good stuff. I want to see more of those. Uh, it's only a matter of time before the jokes die, so let's get this Let's get this stuff in quick. Like covering yourself in oil. <laughs> that one is baffling. That one is... When people say, you know, there's that famous quote that says, humor will be randomly generated in the future... Um, from Veggie Tales. The future is now, old man. Weed eater. <laughs> have you seen that clip? Yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> um, what's weird is we used to laugh at those at how stupid they were in high school. You showed me like what was the, the website called like Troll Science or something? Troll Science. Well, you know, kid, okay, the Troll Science stuff that shit is funny. 
it's it's so hard to explain why that's funny because it's just like you know put a magnet on your car hold a magnet in front of it and then drive forever (laughs) that one is like okay that one is like seriously fully and sincerely i love that only ironically okay but you know and i guess that's the case with this like oil thing i just don't i'm i'm lagging behind man the times are changing and I'm getting left behind. That's all I'm going to say. The oil thing was literally on that website when we would look at it. I know. Week. And I guess I guess people were miss the old troll sign stuff. But uh, man, early, early 2010s internet culture. What what a time. And It's just so ridiculous. Oil floats on water. Step one, wait for it to rain. <laughs> Step two, cover yourself in oil. Step three, fly. Uh, there it is. I mean, people are going to say the same thing in 10 years when they look back and they're like, all they said was based and cringe all the time. Dude, the Wojak stuff, that's going to age so yeah. bad. It's already yeah. it's already bad now because it's, it's, it's just another perpetuation of this is bad, this is good meme. Iterations of which we've seen a million times with the Drake meme. With the black guy yep. who's like happy, then he's not happy. There's like, there's too many yep. to count. There's too many to count. The, and the moral of the story here is that the memes, they're not really that funny. Um, you know, <laughs> they, they're they a good chuckle now. And then, tw- you know, five years later, they're going to seem completely uh, stupid. Just stupid. Um, but, you know, you send them to your friends and you get a little laugh. That's, that's the value of the meme to me. Swole uh, dog and little Cheems baby and Virgin and Chad. It's just thing I like, epic thing you like, cringe. And yeah. that's the whole joke. <laughs> that's the whole, that's all there is. And you're just seeing fifty billion jillion versions of it, and I'm over it. I would much rather see a troll face comic than another Wojak and he's sad or just like women bad men epic with the chad where he's like oh we're gonna die and his buddy says yes and then girls are like i like your hair and she says thanks like oh my god so funny i i just i miss impact font that's my piece i miss impact font like i want to i want a slow poke meme or an internet explorer (laughs) meme (laughs) Oh God! Not another uh, Tame Impala cringe uh, thing. ACDC epic. Music memes are actually the worst for this. I at first I was like, you know, I like you know music. I like music. Let's look at some music. Yeah, it's all the same shit, different day. It's all like, dude, if you're listening to Frank Ocean at uh, five, four a.m., just pick an a.m. And just hashtag sad, hashtag mood, <laughs> hashtag this is what zero pussy does to a motherfucker, you know? <laughs> it's all the same shit. I can't do I can't jive with it anymore. I need I need more in my life, you know? The best music meme, it will never get old, is just when you have two white guys and a black guy, any any pairing, and then it just says death grips over it. Will never get old for me. That I that will one is good. Like that always. Actually, I like any meme. I like memes like that where they just take a picture of other people and put band name on it, like because they kind of yeah. look like them. 
That shit's always funny. Like, I saw that picture, the picture that genuinely made me laugh. But if you've ever seen that stupid Disney show, Fish Hooks, and then they go, this is just Paramore. And it look, they do look just like the band Paramore. That kind of stuff is funny to me. That's it, though. I'm done following music. I haven't seen that one. Me- I'm done following music meme that counts. It's over. <laughs> Beatles epic. Billy Eilish be- cringe. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Pink, Pink Floyd, you know, if you can't listen to the 23 minute Pink Floyd uh, sagas where they put whale noises in there, are you even a real fan? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> and all the comments for any music thread is just like, yeah, wow, you like insert popular band? How original. Wow. It's terrible. Yeah. The the in, like the indie music kind of community kind of sucks because it's a lot of it is status, so and you know like yeah. that's the least interesting part of music is wearing status as a badge. You know, as as my guys at Animal Collective say, you know, are you really all of the things that are outside of you? I don't know. But uh, that's my like piece. my buddy JPEG Mafia says, all these pitchfork artists like Animal <laughs> Collective look the fucking same. <laughs> JPEG didn't mean that. I know he was just angry in that interview. They were probably asking him stupid questions. He didn't mean it, okay? Let me read the quote, okay? I'll, le- I'll read the quote and then we'll end the show. Okay? Okay, this is what JPEG Mafia said. All you niggas listen to is these pitchfork cosine bands uh, like Animal Collective and Real Estate, and they all look like the same person. How the fuck do I look like MC Ride? Like, come on, yo. Like, really? That shit is racist. It's bullshit. You know, fuck Death Grips fans, yo. Uh, 